Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Tulsa World Opinion video podcast. I'm Jenny Graham, editorials editor of the Tulsa World, and I'm here with Zach Stoikoff, who is the executive director of the Healthy Minds Policy Initiative. Did I get that title right? That's right. Okay, and he's also, just a little fun fact, a former Tulsa World reporter. Also right. Some, some of your best memories, right? That's right. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I'm talking to Zach today because there was a report out last week from the Healthy um, Minds Policy Initiative that I'm writing about this weekend in a column, and it has to do with behavioral health, which I understand behavioral health to include um, substance abuse treatment, mental health, um, psychiatry, any of anything that falls under that umbrella. And typically, the policy around this area has been around low-income families and government programs. But this report took a different look. And so you turned your head to private insurers, the commercial insurance area, and some of the obstacles there. So what, what prompted you to, or your organization, to take a deep dive into that area? You're absolutely right, Jenny. That's very astute. So most public policy in Oklahoma and advocacy focuses on Medicaid and on the Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services, which runs the state's public mental health system. Uh, but what we often forget is that more than half of Oklahomans actually get their health care primarily through private insurance. We had heard anecdotally uh, over the years, and Healthy Minds has been around for three years, that really this is the biggest barrier to care for more Oklahomans than any other. I can't find a private provider. I'm having to pay out of network hundreds of dollars, even though I also pay my premium. Why can't I get into a provider? And all of the answers and the data that we've had so far rely on these public systems, these taxpayer-funded systems where the data is publicly available. So we said, let's try to find and quantify what is going on for this area of healthcare that impacts 2 million Oklahomans more than anything that a public health system covers. I was, one of the things about the report is it, it sort of um, verified or gave, you know, data to what we've heard for years. I've experienced it in trying to find mental health for a loved one. You get a packet of information or, or I'm sorry, a packet from a general practitioner of like 10 pages, you know, a third of them aren't even, you know, they don't take insurance. Another third aren't active anymore. And then you call and it's, it's always like the onus is on the patient. And so you feel like you've won the lottery when you finally find someone who can get you in. And that, and for, for me and my loved one, it took three months and you don't know whether that your clinician is going to click with that person. You just feel like, we're going to make this work. And so it's it sort of there. It, it just sort of, it, it felt like it validated what so many people already know, because you've been on those social media boards where parents are like trading tips and stuff like that. So, you know, in, in looking at the findings, what did you find interesting there? I mean, were there some surprises for you? Were there things that you expected? I mean, what, what was your initial reaction to the findings? Absolutely. Well, let me address first what you just said, which I think is really key. And it's the experience of so many Oklahomans. You know, these networks are the product that insurance is selling us. I mean, you're, what you just described as a network, is there a provider able to provide the care that I need at the, at the benefit that I'm paying for? Meaning the insurer is going to pay most of the cost. You're going to pay a small cost share and you're going to see an in-network provider. 
in what other industry, and let's take car salesmen, for example, car salesmen. Okay. Does a car salesman sell you, a, I'm sorry, does a car salesman sell you a car and say, I don't know if the engine works, you figure it out. That's what the insurance industry is doing to Oklahomans, right? We are buying a product and they are unable to tell us if the engine is working, but we are finding out very quickly the engine is not working. So it's taking months for Oklahomans to find a provider. We're having to pay hundreds of dollars out of pocket because the insurance industry and the network has failed us. When you can't find an in-network provider, at the benefit that you're paying for, that means the network has failed you. And what we found in the really alarming stats that we have in this report is that the scope of how these networks have failed Oklahomans is alarming, especially when you consider, for example, most Oklahomans on these plans are working Oklahomans. Those employers and those employees are cost sharing and buying these plans together. And the products that they are buying are not valid. And there's no way to get around that. We are a data organization. We are not an advocacy organization, but the data here are showing us really an outrageous picture. What we're seeing is that when we tested the networks and they look relatively robust, they have long lists of providers, sort of like the experience that you just right. It, it looks like, hey, out of these 50 people, I can find one. And you're like, there's, you really might so find one. I mean, there's so many. Yeah. So when we tested and we, we acted like we were a consumer in nine zip codes in Oklahoma, urban, suburban, rural. And when we tested it, we could only reach 35% of the providers listed in network. Think about if you're somebody experiencing a mental health crisis and you're trying to go through these lists, when are you going to have to give up? Because you can't, I'm, I'm somebody who's not in crisis and we're going through this list and we almost give up, right? right. So of the of the 65% that we were unable to reach, 30% actually had disconnected phone lines or incorrect information. We were getting beeping on the other end of the line. For those others that we couldn't reach, we called multiple times and never got a call back. So for the 35 that we 35% we were able to reach, 60% of them couldn't even venture a guess as to when you could get in for an appointment. 30% of them about could get you in in under a month and fewer could get you in in under a week. I mean, the industry standards here are about seven days for routine outpatient appointment. Right. Because if you are trying to prevent crisis, you need something now. Right. Or pretty close the, to now. The, the disturbing thing about this is it really paints a picture of an industry that has uh, really prioritized not providing care. To, and, and we see this sort of all over the country. I mean, there have been reports of ghost networks, of providers, of adverse selection, where we have an, an industry that has kind of been caught deliberately providing networks that don't provide access as a cost-saving measure while companies are raking in billions of dollars of profit. So in Oklahoma, we see this happening here. We see this very clearly that this is happening here. And I, we don't make the case here that every insurer is malicious. There are some insurers that are pretty good or that every insurer is doing this on purpose, but there are standards that have been built out that disadvantage behavioral health care through private insurance that Oklahomans are paying for right now. So one of the, the findings, the, the wait time was an interesting finding because, and I even experienced this, that often you call, they can't get you in for three months and they ask the question, um, is the person, you know, in a crisis, are they suicidal or violent? So it's almost like they have to get to a crisis before you can get in somewhere, but which is a problem because you're trying to prevent it. But the other aspect of it was the parity that I think it was 27% is, was in your report that insurers pay on average 27% of what they would normally pay for, you know, general healthcare, you know, in any other setting. And 
I thought that that's illegal, that you have to have healthcare parity, that what you pay for a heart attack, you know, percentage wise, you need to pay for mental health care. So what what's happening there? What why is why is there that big a gap? This is an issue all over the country, not just in Oklahoma, but you're right. The, there was a group in 2019 that reported and did a big national study. And in Oklahoma, behavioral health providers were receiving about 27% less on average for similar billing codes than what we would call medical surgical providers or all other providers. So what does this mean? You're less incentivized to be in the network. You don't want to have to deal with a payer who's paying you less. And then often they're getting paid less than Medicaid. So your provider that you rely on to be a network is, is not incentivized to be in the network. But furthermore, we actually found that, uh, or not, we didn't find, but this report found, that uh, Oklahoma providers actually were getting paid less by insurance than surrounding states. So it's an issue all over the country, but it's perhaps an even bigger issue in Oklahoma for whatever reason. And that is illegal. You're very right. There are laws against that federally, starting with President Bush, um, continuing through bipartisan administrations. There are laws in Oklahoma on the books that make this illegal. The problem is it's very hard to police. Most of this is proprietary industry information. Um, and so what we've been trying to do at Healthy Minds for a number of years now is bring some of this to the public so that we, the, the really lawmakers and the public can have some accountability with insurers um, to know that these laws are being um, adhered to. This is particularly galling for me, and I'm sure for you, we're in Oklahoma. The needs are acute here. Like by, almost by every metric, when you look at, you know, healthcare rankings, eight, you know, adverse childhood experiences scores, you spoke last year about this crisis with youth mental health. And, and so it's almost like if we had this sort of crisis in diabetes or, or, or heart disease, we would be getting on it, but we're just not getting on it in the same way. Why is that? What what's is there? Is it just the stigma and stereotypes, or is it just incentivizing, or maybe it's not framing it right because it is also a workforce issue that if you have a employee who's the who's in crisis, they're not going to come to work. So, what is your thought on that? What why are we lagging here? Well, I mean, I, I would say it's on the parity issue, no fault of Oklahoma lawmakers, for one. Um, they have passed and been willing to pass bills strengthening parity for at least the last several years. We've had a lot of success legislatively on the mental health front in Oklahoma, but these are big, big issues that go beyond what the systems that lawmakers tend to control directly, which is Medicaid and DMH. I mean, when you talk about 2 million Oklahomans on these commercial health plans, you realize you start to realize more Oklahomans are in, in the hands of private insurance companies than they are in public health public insurance and public health issues. And, and those are just very difficult issues. I mean, this is something that has been a struggle nationally. How do you achieve parity in these private systems? How do you achieve parity when business models have been developed that incentivize not paying? That, I mean, that's the entire model is to not pay. Right. Um, and the irony there, Jenny, and I tried to make this point a little bit earlier, but I, I stumbled on it. But the irony there is that We've done cost analyses um, on these issues and actually found that insurers save money by providing care earlier. Why is that the case? Well, you don't go to the emergency room with suicidality, which is incredibly costly. I mean, it's the same line of thinking. Diabetes, you treat it sooner or you treat it later. It costs more later and the outcomes are worse. It's the same with mental health. And we also see that untreated mental illness contributes to extraordinary high healthcare costs for things like heart disease. So the insurance industry has 
not realized that providing care earlier is the is the key to reducing costs overall and Oklahomans are suffering as a result. I don't know if that answered your question, Geneva. No, that to was a good point in the report where it talks about, you know, it goes back to, and I think right now, or it seems like Oklahoma has been trying to just staunch this wound of, of crisis care that, you know, we're trying to get to prevention. And that's where insurance companies could really play a big role is, you know, if you can help these 2 million Oklahomans prevent getting into crisis, yeah. that that's, and they're the key to that. So, so in this report, you mentioned a couple of proposals um, that are pending specific to a couple the, the issues in the report. Can you sort of go over what those uh, proposals are? Sure. We have a couple of legislative proposals out there this year. Um, so one is that we want insurers to more frequently update their network directories with accurate information. And we want to do things like if a provider hasn't billed an insurer for a mental health service in, in a year, they should not be listed in networks. So what we find is that the insurers are pre presenting networks that are misleading at best. And so we're buying a product that looks like it's a good car, but it's a lemon, right? To use that analogy again. So if you are not providing services, you are not in the network. The, there are some things that happen on networks where, for example, a physical therapist might be listed as a mental health therapist or a provider who's no longer practicing is listed in the network. And those things are confusing. And these are, these are people, and these are you and I, people who are trying to find services in the most desperate often of situations. We should not be saddling people with confusing directories where most providers can't be listed, can't be reached. Some are not even really existing to our knowledge. Um, the other legislative initiative is if the, if, a, if a consumer of healthcare is unable to find in-network provider um, in a reasonable amount of time, then the insurer will be required to um, provide care at an out-of-network rate for an out-of-network provider. And this is important um, because the networks aren't adequate, number one. Number two, what we've told people is that, hey, you know, if you're an insurer and your network is adequate, uh, take the state's health choice plan, which is for state employees, and they do have a relatively robust network compared to others. If you have an adequate network, this bill doesn't affect you as an insurer. If you are an insurer and you have an inadequate network, you should be worried. Okay. And, and that kind of goes back to the report showed that a lot of networks are excluding like the majority of behavioral health specialists. Mm -hmm. That I think, uh, it, like when you were looking at, I think this is correct, that when you looked at all of the plans, most only included about 30% of the available specialists. Well, so, yeah. I mean, the, what, the, why, why wouldn't they be involved? Is it that specialists don't want to mess with insurance or? Well, to just to clarify that, the best plan only yes. has about 30%. Okay. So, so, so the rest of them some are, are much, much less. Okay. Yes. Um, so we, we, you know, that's where we look at this data that show that they get paid 27% less. Okay. The, the payment is not on par. Um, providers regularly report administrative burden. You'll have situations where a provider says it costs $800 to provide this, say, an inpatient stay, and an insurer will come back and say, I'm going to pay you $50 for that. Well, that provider is not incentivized to stay in network with that insurer if they're getting $50 for an $800 service. And that happens quite frequently. So those are the things that we're trying to address with these bills. Well, um, well, outside this report and those legislation, I know that you're keeping up with a lot of other mental health and behavioral health issues. Are there other um, types of legislation out there that you have your eye on this session? Yeah. So 
we do think that there is a mental health shortage of workers. Um, while we know that the networks don't actually include most of the providers, so there is an immediate workforce that can be put to work and to bear in these commercial systems, so understand that. But overall, there is a shortage. So we are really closely following legislation that would create a workforce development fund for mental health services that would encourage more practitioners to go into the profession. And you can make good money now as a mental health therapist in Oklahoma. Um, you actually can um, you know, use that fund perhaps to upskill workers to a higher licensure credential and kind of provide more care. So that's out there as well. Uh, we're also following legislation that would uh, really try to treat more mental health conditions in primary care settings. That's a workforce solution too. Uh, when you have to rely on a specialist because your primary care doctor doesn't have the resources around them to really treat your condition, that's a problem. So we are attempting to open the codes that um, these teams can use to provide team-based care in primary care setting. We think that would be transformative since most, well, I shouldn't say most, but about half of people who die by suicide in this country in the last month of their life had seen a primary care physician. So we know that we're, we're missing a step where many of these issues could be detected and treated. Okay, well, well, I appreciate your time. And I know we were talking specifically about this, this private insurance issue. And I think it's huge. I mean, I, I you know, when I read the report, I thought this hits so many people that we, you know, you share stories and this, you know, puts data to it. And so I appreciate it. And thank you for, for speaking with us today. We'll have you back on for other mental health issues. But, you know, I always like to leave people with the last word, you know, what do you want the, the main takeaways to be uh, for people as they're reading this or contemplating this particular issue? Well, there's hope. Um, you can negotiate with your insurance company and it works. You can reach out to the Oklahoma Insurance Department um, if there's an issue you think you're a victim of a parity violation. And it often works. They're very good over there. You can talk to your legislator. So we don't want people to feel disempowered. Um, we want people to be empowered. Simply being your own advocate does and can work. And so there's hope. That would be the that would be my last word. Okay. Well, thank you very much. And we will keep in touch. And I encourage everyone to read the column this weekend. And the report is linked in there. And you can read the results and findings for yourself. So thank you very much.